0: Freelance, writer, player of games, writer, record of videos, and at tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the Monday edition of my bi-weekly behind-the-scenes DMA live livestream Crafting the Deep, in which I build, right and prepare for our next session of A Call from the Deep. I don't know what characters our players will be, but uh, there will be spoilers for this stream. We stream our D&D sessions live on YouTube every Friday. Watch all of our sessions and reviews here on the channel. You can join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. If you would like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. For our campaign, we use Roll20.net for streaming. I use OBS Studio. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I have returned from the land of milk and honey, also known as uh, Galveston Island in South Texas. <laughs> uh, it was a really, really fun vacation. It was awesome getting to see all of my best friends, my d and group, and it was the first time we'd really done a big uh, vacation like that together. It's something we've been planning on doing for years. And then we had uh, you know, a bunch of kids and the pandemic happened and just haven't been able to swing it for the longest time. And it was just uh, really special to be able to uh, do that, get together, even though it was oppressively hot here in Texas and still hot even by the beach. Ridiculous. But uh, mornings and evenings were fun. We went to like the aquariums. We did a dolphin tour. Uh, on a boat, and just hung out at this awesome uh, house we had right on the beach, and played like a shit ton of board games. And I brought I brought my old uh, I got old. It's oh, yeah, it's a couple years old now. My Super Nintendo uh, Mini Classic. Whenever they re-released the uh, the the Super Nintendo in like a really cute little I don't know, form, and it's got, like, the controllers and everything. It's got a bunch of games loaded on there. I brought that on there, and we would fire that thing up and <laughs> play, like, Mario Kart and shit. It was it was amazing. Really, really fun time, so I am uh, very rejuvenated. Today is also the first day of school in our school district, which means Maya said to get up early, make sure the kid, the oldest, was off to school, so I'm currently drinking coffee to make sure I have energy for this stream. Meanwhile, I'm sure all of you have been playing Baldur's Gate, which I'm pissed That after, uh, you know, three years of being early access, they decided to release it like the week I was going to be on vacation. So, damn it. (laughs) I'm very behind on all my Baldur's Gate Zeitgeist. I've heard it's amazing. I appreciate everybody uh, chatting about it in our Discord server. Uh, I do plan on putting out some Baldur's Gate 3 content. Uh, Obviously, I already did a a live stream playthrough when it was in early access back in 2020, a lifetime ago. I just need to nail down exactly what I'm going to be doing. Uh, and who I'm going to be doing it with? I may do a co-op or I may do a solo one. I'll, I'll probably have both playthroughs. It just depends on which one I want to put up there. I've, I've put a poll up for patrons and kind of talked about it uh, in my patron video, just to see what uh, what folks are looking for. But yeah, I'm I'm really stoked about uh, about putting stuff stuff out for Baldur's Gate three and just and just diving into it. Uh, I also ordered a new video card, literally for Baldur's Gate three. <laughs> Even though my my other one is not that. Olds, it was a couple, it basically got it when Cyberpunk 2077 came out, uh, which was just a couple years ago, but obviously a couple years in PC gaming is a bit of a lifetime, so I've decided to uh, trade up, and then the wife gets my old one, which is still, again, a pretty good one, but it it was literally like the kid thing about like, well, they need a new one, but maybe I'll get the new one, (laughs) the really good one, and then you can have the, the one I was going to order you, but now it's just basically my old one but still perfectly good no bg3 then need to do at release i know it's gone the the excitement's already left no i think i think this game's gonna have a long tail life i mean i am also obviously a dnd fan and a crpg fan i'm also a fan of larian studio i don't know why i'm so off center on my camera sorry i'm also a fan of Larian Studios and the Divinity Original Sin games. Holy crap, those are amazing. So, this is just, this checks so many of my fucking boxes when it comes to what I'm excited about for uh, video gaming. I am so stoked. But yeah, you can, uh, meanwhile, watch my old uh, early access playthrough, which I'm sure is only half relevant now. So, I think we've still got some time before we're going to jump into. like session one, like to where we're building the haunted house in, um, well, Saltmarsh, but Saltmarsh in this campaign is probably going to be a suburb of Neverwinter, because I think that's going to make more sense. Uh, I think Heather's Tomb of Horrors game is going to last probably at least another two. We're probably, honestly, we're probably looking at September 1st for session zero, maybe. So I've still got a little bit more time. So I think for this week, uh, we're going to be talking about still the overall plot structure, but I want to also dive into... More of the uh, side quests and extra content from Call from the Deep, just to see if any of that is really gonna excite me to where I'm like, oh, I definitely need to expand on this or include this in uh, my playthrough. Because there's a lot of uh, quest, like side quest stuff in chapters two and three that I really need to just sit down and go through. I get my wife's hand-me-down iPhones. That's what my, that's what I would get. In fact, I probably have gotten in the past, but then at some point I switched to using Android phones. So uh, we have like his and hers upgrade pads now. We have different skill trees <laughs> when it comes to our uh, phones. But my oldest definitely gets my wife's hand-me-down phones, so she's thrilled when my uh, when my wife upgrades. Although I guess she only just recently got a phone. She my oldest is uh, eleven, so that gets that gets to be a tricky time too. It's like every all of her peers have phones, but of course my generation thinks that they're all way too young to have a phone. But then it, it's Hardly applicable because of the technology's changed so much and they've all got phones, so it's that's just a tricky thing to figure out. Alright, so I think we're going to start by going to Chapter 2 and looking at the quests. Because I mentioned each of these, so the attacks on each of the cities, uh, once you complete the attack, you thwart the enemy... Then it opens up, like, several side quests, which could lead to other locations in Chapter 3. And I have looked through some of them, uh, but not all of them, I will admit. There's a lot here. Uh, but we can go over them together and just see if any of these are worth doing. So this would be following the—basically, this would be the open-ended section of the game, which is going to be somewhere in the middle. If we think about the—the the beginning is going to be kind of linear, but open up a little bit because they'll be able to explore Gundeland, Um and you know maybe decide on the order of events they wanna tackle. And then it'll, they'll have a, a very linear moment where they have to go to Neverwinter to defend it against all the attacks. And then it'll open up again where they can you know decide which faction to follow up on and uh, which area to go to and quests to pursue. And then eventually it will funnel up into a third act which will probably be the uh, the Driftwood docks, the Sea King, Tentrix, Driftwood. Uh, sorry, I just said Driftwood Docks. What is his? I guess it's just his layer, uh, and then that will lead to Purple Rocks, and then Ascarol. That will all be pretty linear, one after the other finale. Which that's pretty much the way the stories usually go. All right, so Baldur's Gate quests, the Grand Duke Revenguard. Ravenguard. It's weird how you can just talk to like the big bosses too, but I guess at some level, once the players are like fifth level, they're more notable now, <laughs> more than just random scrubs. Uh, the Grand Duke asks the characters to visit Luskin. He believes the pirates must have come from the City of Sales. On behalf of the Lord's Alliance, Ravengard believes Luskin should be held accountable and made to recompense Baldur's Gate for the crimes committed. Older sends a sealed letter. <laughs> Wait, <We> literally. <laughs> those are harsh words. be held accountable and made to recompense Baldur's Gate for crimes committed. So he writes a sternly worded letter. <laughs> All right, this is a town of pirates. You think a sternly worded letter is how you're going to do this? That's funny. After traveling to Luskin, the characters can arrange a meeting with the five high captains. Friday, they show the Lord's Alliance letter. Uh, Let's see. They claim no part in the attack on Baldur's Gate. The characters mention Drowned Wolfgar, which was the, I guess, the other one who attacks Baldur's Gate. Uh, One of them goes deathly pale. Confesses member of a ship. Wolfgar went renegade a few years ago. Give me a pretense listening to high captains. Rumor has it that Wolfguard affected to Sea King Tentrix after being outcast from Luskin. Hi, uh, captains are worried about Tentrix, who's probably our modesty will be growing in strength by the day and tells that sea king is hold up somewhere in the Nellanther Isles. So that's kind of a nothing quest. I mean it's 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 just a social fetch quest, basically. You just go to the town, you talk to the captains, you get some information. Um It's not really. I mean, it feels like a decent story step, but there's just nothing interesting going on there, and I don't think my players uh, would be interested in like a purely social going to talk to the pirates thing. I could move the pirates just in Neverwinter, then maybe it would feel like less of a big. Hey, we're off on an adventure to go to Luskin. You know, maybe they just talk to the local pirates and shake them down, and then learn that way, and that's how they figure out. To. uh, That would be. Which one is that? That's Drowned Wolfgar. Which just leads to Sea King Tentrix. Is Drowned Wolfgar the. The Kraken Society guy? Yeah, Deep Scions. He's a Kraken Priest. Okay. Alright, well, I think we're going to skip that one for now. What's the results on if they are too late in helping defend Neverwinter? Nick, 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 Nick. Yeah, <laughs> exactly what Sylvan said. <laughs> Heroes are never too late. I and 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 I'm willing to have the argument. We can have the argument, and I, I realize that D and D can be a more reactive world where like the bad guys' plans are happening no matter what. But honestly, I I come from a video game background. Whereas I mean, I played a lot more video games than I did D growing up, or tabletop RPGs in general, and I do appreciate there's something to be said. As much as it can be ridiculous, the Skyrim model or whatever open world game model, where like everything is kind of frozen in place, waiting for the players to interact with it. Um, on the other hand, that that allows you to uh, tell better stories to a certain extent. Like you can frame everything around the players; they become. Uh, you know the main story drivers of everything and you can set everything up perfectly to where it you get the most bang for your buck in terms of the action and story for each individual area now that doesn't mean the players can make they can't make any choices at all and they're just along for the ride uh, I, I do think it's important for them to make choices and have those choices be consequential um, but that would be a very major one that I mean that's I feel like that's part of a buy-in you have with your players where if you give them this big, important quest, like, hey, this city is under attack, the city that you were all from or were working there or whatever else, uh, you need to go save it, and the player's are like, nah, we're just going to go fishing or something out the back. To me, that's like, all right, well, why are we playing D&D right now? You know, like, the, like that's the adventure. That's the thing. Like, I, I think you have to have that certain amount of buy-in. Now, you can still go to Neverwinter, and then you could choose... Like, what do you prioritize, and that could be something I could develop, is like, hey, you see this under attack, this under attack, this over here, what things do you want to go do and how do you want to do it, that's all player choice. So, I guess it's more at the micro level than the macro level. Celesia Credano's quest. Members of the Zentarum, who use their money lending services, are approached by the loan Shark. Discover whoever enchanted pirate ships to allow them to sail beneath the waves. Such an enchantment would be useful for black network smuggling operations along the Sword Coast. She tells the characters to head to Orlembor, an island state located west of the Troll Bark Forest. I did read about this one. This one actually sounded pretty interesting. If anything, because it's just a nice lead that could end up uh, being kind of an interesting little side quest. Orlembor is, um, uh, yeah, it's, an, it's exactly what it says. It's <laughs> on the Sword Coast, just west of the Troll Bark Forest. It's south of Waterdeep, so it'd be pretty far south from where our players normally would be, but eventually they're going to have to make their way south anyway because the final area is down here in the uh, Nelanther Isles. I realize all my windows are kind of uh, blocking the view from you, but space to say I am still on that same Sword Coast map. Actually, I'm on a slightly different map. I reached out to JVC Perry and said, hey, do you have a map that doesn't have all the locations on there? Because that's something I've been griping about here on the crafting streams. And he... he, uh, basically gave me uh, a few different options. Mainly there was one that had all the locations minus the few that needed to be hidden, which was like Asgarl and um, the uh, the Seeking Tentra layer, which is uh, Driftwood Docks, I believe, like the important stuff that they shouldn't know. So I did, I, I, got, I have that one here and I uploaded it. So this one does not have, and I'll prove it to you, I believe I'm on the map. Yeah, so this one does not have a Skarl on the map. And if you go to this one, which is the original, boom, it's right there. So that part's kind of cool. That solves one problem. Hooray. <laughs> All right, back to uh, this quest. Uh, the island is known for talent shipwrights. See Orlambor in chapter 3 for information about the island. Characters determine who enchanted the sunken doom and sister ships. They must spend downtime researching. That sounds fun. Most of the research takes place in small towns libraries of Orlambor. Uh, the party discovers the ships were enchanted by Dalshara Windhair, also known as the Witch of the Waves. Locals claim that Dalshara once protected Orlambor from pirate attacks and is well over a century old. The Witch of the Waves lives in one of the cave like homes typical of Orlambor on the western side of the island. Locals observe a ship needs repairs beyond their skill. Uh, she's not actually a hag or something, right? No, nope, just a human abjurer. She has a short temper and her hair flies around as if whooping by a tempest when she gets angry. She shows no remorse if told about the attack on Baldur's Gate. The party tries to kidnap or turn her to Salacia. She attacks them. If a character, if the characters flee Orlambor, she contacts her old friend, Captain Callus, who's the reoccurring tiefling villain pirate, and sends them to track him down. The characters not welcome back to Orlambor. The characters aren't going to want to kidnap somebody for the Zentarum. I don't think. So I like the beginning and middle of this quest. I don't know if I like the end of it. I feel like the next step should be like information that she can give them. is like, yeah, I was hired by so-and-so and they're here. Oh, interesting. She can enchant their ship. Only accepts payment in pearls. For 500 gold pieces worth of pearls, the characters get their ship to sail beneath the waves. For 200 gold pieces of pearls, the characters can get their ship resistant to fire damage this feels like very much a video game side quest where it's like you unlock the ability to like upgrade your ship which i could definitely look into i still need to look into the ship stuff and try to make that more interesting but also in a video game you'd be doing a lot more combat and be able to juggle all that and have that be reflective versus uh that's kind of kind of slow you down by a lot in the actual tabletop rpg uh the island which we can jump to that is in chapter three uh, Orlambor. So, I mean, I like the start of that, where it's like, hey, you need to, like, you should look up how they enchanted their ships to sail beneath the waves, and that can lead you to um, this island down here, where this kind of crazy, witchy lady lives, and then the island is home to a brass dragon, I think? Uh, let's see, Orlambor, yeah, so I see it's running those pretty much, they presented by, I love dragon names, they're ridiculous, Lamerantazaz. An ancient, an ancient bronze dragon who layers on the island. The dragon doesn't conceal her true appearance but appears, but approaches cautiously in case she's mistaken for an evil dragon. She introduces herself as Mother Claws. The party say their adventures. They ask if they're doing her a favor. Prior to the Scaly Eye Merchant Company, which operates on the Sword Coast, normally would dare target her ships. Recently, the pirates have been more bold. While she was rescuing a crew near Luskin, why the hell would you be up there? She lost contact with the Bobbing Barrel. Mother Claus fears the cog must have been attacked in it. channel. What is Bobbing Barrel? They saw a ship named the Bobbing Barrel. Okay. She promises them 500 gold for information. So you get a quest from a dragon who can't be bothered to do this job herself. For each crew member, they recover. Mother Claws gives the characters a blue pennant with a weeping after the fly. There's a flag the scale. feature their protection against pirates. Characters searching the ocean floor of Asavir's channel to succeed on DC 18. Investigation check, find part of the wrecking bombing barrel, part of the wrecked ship among the massive sunken ships there. The crew were taken at Driftwood Docks via the sea tower of Irvong. Hmm, I feel like I need to read more about that last chapter or the chapter with Driftwood Docks then. That one's a very side questy as well. But I like that you get one side quest to go to the island, and then you get an entirely different side quest to go to what'd they say, Asavir's channel? Which is somewhere. I thought it was further. S- oh, there it is. Yeah, further south. And then uh, the Nilanthar to go search for a shipwreck. Doesn't really get a reward though. Or what she? I guess she promised them money. Yeah, five hundred gold for information plus national fifty gold for each crew member they recover, which they don't actually recover crew members until they make it to Driftwood Docks. So I guess that's one way you could, half of these side quests basically lead you to uh chapter 4. That's kind of their goal. Which I don't necessarily need them to unless I want one to be like the main piece of investigation that they take which I mean that could be part of it. Maybe that maybe it's somebody's like, "Well, they've got this enchantment. Somehow they know it comes from Orlenbor. I'm not sure how they get to that point." And then Orlambor, they get a quest from a dragon who's like, hey, my ship got sunk in this area. And then maybe from the shipwreck, they find that people got kidnapped to seeking Tentrix. and then that's how they get to the lair. That's kind of a roundabout way of doing it, but could be an option, Orlambor. So those are the quests from uh, Baldur's Gate. So let's look so no clear winners, but maybe some potential ideas. Now we're gonna look at the quests out of Neverwinter. And again, obviously, I would move all of these quests to Neverwinter if I need to. Or wherever. Therius and Torum's quest. Members of the Harpers are approached by half-siblings. Very concerned they weren't worried about the pirate attack. No matter anything from the Berg, a floating hollow iceberg the Harpers use as a base in the Sea of Swords. The characters accept they are teleported to the Berg, which is currently floating between Ruthium and Gunderland. The base has been overrun by ten Kraken Society cultists, led by Svetlana Brokenstag. Boy, shout out to JVC Perry for coming up with a shit ton of names <laughs> in this campaign. Supported by three Yetis, the cultists don't know they're working for Slaarkorthel, you let alone Zlex Four. Svetlana's telepathic link to the Elder Brain and can receive messages from it, though it makes her ears bleed. If Svetlana is about to reveal important information, Zlex Four uses an action to. On its turn to deal 40 psychic damage to her, which is enough to kill her immediately. That's cool. I definitely want to try to use that at some point. Like they're trying to interrogate a Kraken priest or somebody who's a higher up, and that person just gets lobotomized. That's a neat idea. So Long's also apparently has fins and gills. All Harpers aboard are locked in cells as the berg moves toward Ascarl. The imprisoned Harper contingent includes Thea. Why is Cobble? Two nobles and four spies. Cultists operate the berg's magical potion. I don't have a map for this, do I? This hollowed iceberg? I mean, it's a cool idea. But the fact they just get teleported right there. Um, like, why couldn't you just do this, you two bards? Who protects a Harper teleportation an assuming Rojas and never winter? Huh. The Kraken are unaware that Gumpf the Flump is aboard, thanks to his ring of invisibility. <laughs> Gumpf is been spying on Svetlana and shares the following information. Berg is moving to the north of Purple Rocks. Well, the problem is, I don't want this hollowed out iceberg to be going towards Purple Rocks. That would skip a lot of content. If characters liberate the Berg from the Kraken Society, they are rewarded with a magic item. Roll on magic to item table B. In addition, the characters gain access to the Harper Teleportation Circle Network, which has permanent circles in Baldur's Gate, Mirabar, Neverwinter, and Waterdeep. Obviously a huge unlock, and yet... I don't know... If you actually need the teleportation. Uh, Jeremy asks, what level will the PCs be at this stage of the campaign? Um, It's kind of up to me, because I'm, I'm still at the stage of determining if I want to use these quests, and if I do, when I want to use them. I will say I would not use them until Act 2, and Act 2, I believe, will encompass, let's see, levels, well, I guess I would say 5, but really 6, because the whole defense of the city would be 5th level, and then they would reach level 6 afterwards, so basically this would be level 6 through 8, maybe, 6 through 9? Because once they get up to uh, Act 3, where they're I'm trying to figure out. Um, Or if I want to include the Driftwood Docks earlier, it would be somewhere around 8th or 9th level. So they would be probably 6 through 9 for this this kind of open world content. I don't need that much content because we're most likely going to be using uh, the uh, Ghost of Saltmarsh stuff. Uh, For sure I want to use Final Enemy, and that's gonna be probably an entire level right there. Uh, I could also look at using the Styes as another one. So I'm just looking at and I'm also looking at just kind of steps within a quest chain like maybe another step leads them to the final enemy or something leads them to the Styes from the defense of the city so less like full-on big content I guess and more like little encounters or maybe something that was part of a quest chain. Most likely, this would not be early game content because early game we've already got the the sinister secret of Salt Marsh, which is going to be plenty of stuff, and then we've got all of Act Chapter One from Call from the Deep, which is going to have uh, you know all of Gunderland and like several dungeons and locations. So I don't think I don't think any of that needs to be in this first act. So this is all Act Two stuff. Uh, so I don't know about this. Harper Berg one. I don't have a map for that and it feels weird to just teleport there and deal with it have like this battle I'm not I'm not really feeling that one I do like the idea of like them repelling the Kraken Society from something I guess to show that like yeah, I don't know there's more of a threat there but that one feels kind of random Marjorie, the Mini's quest the character's even urgent message from Pettigrin Handel who appears in a torn robe with wounds on his arms he tells the characters green aliens have attacked Cloak Tower. They tried to unlock the vault beneath the tower but failed. Characters rush to Cloak Tower. They find everything Pedigree said is true. The doors battered down, several windows are smashed. Characters with a connection to the astral plane recognize the Gith Yankee. Floating above the tower is an astral skiff, a flying vessel that requires three Gith Yankee crew and carries up to 12 passengers. Towers deserted, save for the lowest floor. Three Gith Yankee warriors and a Gith Yankee knight hold three apprentice wizards captive, threatening to kill them unless martyred the many. Relinquishes her robe and the other six inside the vault. The Githyanki want the robes to allow their warriors to pursue fleeing Mind Flayers. Uh, are these Mind Flayers actually hunting the Mind... Are these Githyanki hunting the Mind Flayers here, or are these just randomly here? The Githyanki know that Mind Flayers have crashed on Gunderland, but don't know the connection the Elder brain Don't know the connection between the Elderbrain and the Kraken Society. The characters were tricked... Protect Margaret and the apprentices. Each is rewarded with a robe of stars. What is a robe of stars? Is that what they're trying to get? of these robes? Plus one bonus to saving throws. Wearing this robe, you use an action to pull off one of the stars. You need to cast magic missiles, a fifth level spell. Daily at dusk, 1d6 removed stars appear in the robe. Wow, this gives you a bunch of magic missiles. When you wear the robe, you can use an action to enter the astral plane along with everything you are wearing and carrying. You remain there until you use an action to return to the plane you were on. Boy, you'd have to be very careful about giving your party the entire ability to shift into the astral plane with uh, no limitations on that whatsoever. Each Word of the robostars. Yeah, that seems a little crazy. I don't am I is that crazy? I mean, they they could offer you a choice though because they get the Yankee uh i'm intrigued about using the githyanki in some way because i feel like if mind players are involved you should use them but oh the githyanki are based in flame fault a githyanki Krish on the island of twern characters ally with the githyanki that can be flown to there in the astral skiff i guess we could look up twern yep that's a place Uh, uh, uh. Let's see. Let's focus on the island, used to the settlement, fleet of dragon headed longships. The Dragon's Lair island is home to a small family of fire giants who strive to unseat the island's draconic overlords. The Dragon's Lair is a deep crevice in the western mountains called Flame Fault. The adult red dragons are siblings. There's three of them. And guardians of the Yankee crush cut into the side of Flame Fault. Am I saying that right, Krish? It's important not just because young Yankee are born and trained here, because the dragons will expose themselves with the Yankee, and offer their young as mounts for the Yankee knights. Staff looking at the crush changes every few months, and no Yankee is forced to age on the material plane for long. Okay, it's kind of their home base of operations here. The leader is aware that a Nautiloid has crashed on Gunderland and sent her agents to track down the mine flares, but has only got as far as Purple Rocks. He's also sent agents to the Cloak Tower Neverwinter, which he falsely leaves as a threat to the safety of Tornarth, their city in the Astral Plane. Oh, so that's a completely different... Hmm. Where is Torn on the map? Doesn't actually say, does it? I feel like it's worth using... Get the I mean, My players don't know they're Get Yankee from their Get <laughs> Although with you know with Baldur's Gate three being a thing now, everybody's gonna start being a damn expert on Mind Flayer lore and Get the Yankee and shit. Shout out to uh, Planescape Torment for making me aware of uh, Get I believe. God, I can't remember his name now. The party member you get in that game. He was like the philosophical dude. See where Twern is. Just scroll to the map, trying to look for it. Is it one of these random ones in the sea? Not that I see. Not that I see Oh there it is, way up there. Twerns, the upper left corner. Okay. I assume what is Utter Sea? Is that the name of the one town there? First time characters visit Torn, a trio of Githyanki knights riding young red dragons flies to the coast toward Purple Rocks. giving a mission to scout the island in preparation for full skill invasion. I believe the rock landers harboring mind flares in the crash. It makes me nervous. A lot of these side quests uh, suddenly turn into the main quest, basically. Like, the players have just so many options and things they can do. And, like, most of them will lead them to the final path instead of being a side quest. Seeing the dragons approach, the warriors of Uttersea Friendly gather arms and man the siege weapons. Uttersea has to defend itself. Or wait, Uttersea isn't. Is not part of the Githyanki? Like okay, so I guess Uttersea is the largest town on the island. Okay. So the dragons layer, they layer in three volcanoes. Imagine being on an island with three volcanoes and knowing there's like adult red dragons in there. And inside there are Githyanki. Who are, like, hidden in there. This is a common occurrence. Each time the warriors attempt to shoot the dragons, they have not yet succeeded. Why would you try and shoot the dragons, then? I have not noticed the dragons are ridden by Githyanki and are oblivious of the race's presence on the island. Okay, once again, this one doesn't really have an ending. Um, Other than the fact that they can maybe gain the Githyanki as allies or something, but that also gets tricky because it's a whole underwater excursion and the Githyanki's red dragons would be pretty nullified by that but maybe you maybe that's a good reason for why they would endorse the players for going down into the lair instead of this Githyanki army that's sitting here conveniently ready to attack all the enemies in the game. So, I guess I'm less enthused about that one as well. I do appreciate that one quest leads to another though, which is the uh the Githyanki at this cloak tower. Cloak Tower does not look like it has its own map either. They're just trying to... And they've got the skiff, the flying... Yeah, flying ship, which would certainly be useful for the players. It's funny that they would receive an urgent message and he's like actively being attacked. And he goes to the players instead of like the authorities of the town. Because I, I, this is in the middle of the city, right? Like, seems kind of weird. And you get the Yankee or against mind flayers, but they're not also not nice, reasonable people, <laughs> which could be make them interesting to deal with from the player's perspective. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Lengez's quest: A member of the number one watch looking for Lengez asks the characters to meet with the harbor master at the Beach Leviathan the next evening. Lenges is brought to a fine meal. Tells the characters responsible for safety and murders orders docks. Uh, alright so we have been turning up a few mercenaries I paid for. Asks the characters to investigate, offering the use of a sailing ship. The characters travel to Mintarn. They are welcomed onto the island. Mintarn is a popular safe haven for criminals. The no questions asked policy. Great neutral ground, popular with dangerous clientele—a a hive of scum and villainy—you say. That seems worth checking out. In has its own entry here. we have called the island the Red Rage of Mintar, an ancient red dragon whom the Northlanders pay yearly tribute. Hundar, to the annual tide, laid waste to Castle Mintarn to make his point. The folks of Vintarn scrambled to meet the ancient worms or the impatient worms' demands, and could do little resistance as their soldiers served in foreign armies. Things haven't been great for Mintarn. (laughs) Dragon lives on a mountain named Skardurak that rises from the ocean to the north of Mintarn. Tributes are left on a sandy beach inside a sea cave. Many more caverns spread out from the Tithe Cave. The red rage of snoring echoes throughout. So what's the actual quest? Uh, What was the quest? Just... Fewer mercenaries showing up from requires many mercenaries from Mintarn, and fewer have been showing up. So just trying to investigate generically this location. Uh, They're attacked by Captain Callison and his crew, or by a drunken dragon with an eyepatch named Faraharn. Characters tell the they tell the characters that local folk blame the dragon Hundar for the missing crew. Characters of local ends claim to be true. Characters travel to Castle Mintarn, they are greeted directly by Beloth who has heard of their endeavors and never went to She delights in the character's tale of the pirates' attack, treating them to a meal and a few bottles of Mintarn's famous green wine. Characters okay, see that two of the characters have been destroyed, and work out for Undar the Red Rage. Uh, Beloth blames Hundar for the ship's attack, but hints that a contribution to the tribute might leave, reveal more information characters give below 250 gold or more she tells them to explore Narino, a sunken city to the south this is a lot going on Narino is detailed to full in chapter 3 it is an abandoned merfolk city occupied by Mei Ling a vampire spawn with a swim speed of 30 feet Mei Ling is responsible for the disappearances she used to feed exclusively on merfolk but the recent abundance of ships has given her taste for human blood here's my might convince Mei Ling to stick to a merfolk diet bribe her to avoid white sail ships or attempt to kill her okay so despite all of this information about a dragon it's it's a water vampire I guess nobody expected that <laughs> huh <laughs> seems like such a random uh, final thing all this talk about the dragons a problem and we're gonna tribute to the dragon and the dragon this and oh but actually it's this swimming vampire that's killed everybody well you could I mean you could use it as like hey we need a, we need this location can provide us some mercenaries to help to repel future attacks, but you have to go here uh to i don't know send them this message that we could use some help or something, and then when they go they then run into this problem um, the problem being a water vampire I guess uh it does it does say it leads to uh, Narino, which is. Okay, there's Mintarn, which is. I need to move my windows around. East of the Moonshay Isles and west of Orlembor, which is that island we looked at a second ago, somewhere between Waterdeep and Baldur's Gate. Close that one. Oh, sorry. Nerino is where the vampire is. Okay. Nerino has its own location. Oh, shit. This one does have a map, though. I mean, it's the Call from the Deep map art, but still, that means it's a little bit of a dungeon. I always perk up when that's involved. Abandoned Merfolk City. Sailing ship atop Nerino dropped a coffin of black mahogany overboard. The coffin contained Mei Ling a vampire quickly is it the demeter is that the vampire ship movie coming out a vampire quickly adapted to her new underwater environment how how did she do that exactly i guess feeding voraciously on the merfolk that remain and since turned the city into her lair heyling uses the statistics of a vampire and she has four gargoyles with her i mean underwater vampire sounds interesting Eling swims down from the galley above vampire introduces herself to the characters asks why they visited her she's a gracious host there was a habit of invading people's personal space and never seems to blink. I prefers not to create a vampire spawn, but might do so if one of the characters takes her fancy. <laughs> okay, so it's... sort of a dungeon, but could also just be this... Uh, instant boss battle. What is the nature of a man? And then you can explore and get some treasures. Merfolk vampire spawn wielding an eel-like plus one light crossbow (laughs) who has no loyalty and guarding the mailing's pet is a giant lightning eel well that's all kind of interesting I'm gonna put a note this is which one? Neverwinter Night quest Uh, Jez I think this is This is a weird one though because it goes. It starts from like, hey, investigate this certain location, Mintarn, for mercenaries, I guess. Or like, in this case, it's like, why are there fewer mercenaries? But I could just say, hey, we need some mercenaries, and that's the place we usually get them. And they can go there, but then they get this whole like red herring about the dragon. Tribute to reveal, and the only way to do it is if you if you bribe um bloweth forget who bloweth is i don't know the person showing them around <laughs> uh then she finally tells you to go to an arena, although she doesn't have any other information about that so i like the fact that for once it's not necessarily tied into any of the main quest right that's none of the factions there's no kraken society here there's no pirates here it's just a it's just a fucking water vampire doing her thing so that feels very side questy. Oh, they can try and plunder the great horde of Hundar while they visit Mintarn. A dozen human skulls. Life size dragon made entirely of gold. A magic pearl which prevents aging. It's all treasures. Locals claim the red range slumbers, slumbers for most of the year. Haha. <laughs> Hundar's riddled are with a variety of traps. Each time they trigger a trap, they must make a DC 26 group stealth check to avoid waking the dragon the characters fail three such checks the red dragon stops storing and begins to awaken the characters have 1d4 plus 1 rounds to escape before Hundar wakes and searches them out that's a lot of time they have though they get to make three they have to fail at least three times and then they have several rounds the characters pass five traps while waking the dragon they can plunder the horde it's a bummer it's not just a scripted dungeon instead it's very like randomized Hundar is an ancient red dragon yeah well, I do like the idea of using an ancient dragon to fuck with the players. I did that with Arviatris, for sure, and enjoyed that. Uh, this one's entirely optional. Uh, Bloweth is the current tyrant of Mintarn. A gladiator. Trying to keep the dragon satisfied. Honestly, you could just move this vampire layer anywhere. Didn't even have to be involved in this whole Mintarn thing. If I want to just use this cool like, little underwater ruin area with a Water Vampire. Could use that in some other cases. Dagult Never Embers Quest. Lord Protector Dagult Never Embers arranges a meeting with the characters. Thanks for Uh Yada, yada, yada. Visit Luskin on his behalf. Wait, it's the same quest. In the city of the salesman about the increased piracy. Dagult gives the characters Lord's Alliance emblem. Characters arrange a meeting. The characters mention Bartholomew Black Dagger. Black yeah so okay maybe they all three have this quest where you go to luskin and then luskin gives you the next step of where to go in this case they uh tell you the garander the vial of black dragon of layers on the earth moat near neverwinter yeah if they pursue this lead they can question garander which leads them to Arbuck on fisher's float and then to the nelanthar which is basically just the main quest at that point okay so that's just the same as baldur's gate Kazarks Kazarksoro's quest is the aboleth they can save which I still love doing that as part of the main quest in Neverwinter uh, one of the goals for the enemies is to assassinate this aboleth and I think the players protecting and saving an aboleth and then working with one would be excellent the characters ally themselves with the abolethic sovereignty Kzarkzoro's Context of them telepathically. He's been telepathically probing the local area and has discovered an individual on Fisher's Float that is acting as a telepathic conduit. That just leads to the same thing as the other path, though, doesn't it? Find the individual and discover who they work for. The characters make it there. Play through the events detailed in N11 Fisher's Float. The characters end up confronting Arbeck, a Krakenar who orchestrated the attack on Baldur's Gate. So that doesn't help because that's the exact same quest chain that you would get if you followed the Black Dragon's follow-up because he would also point out this character. Well, that's disappointing character searches long belongings. They discover communication between him and seeking tender seems to be somewhere in the Lothar Islands. Uh, okay. So all roads lead to the Driftwood Docks. It's a TC-26. I mean, it's an ancient dragon's traps. So I guess that's no joke at that point. Uh, let's look at the third and final area, which are the Waterdeep quests. Leryl Silverhand. Open lore ranges of meeting with characters. Is this the one where you go to Luskin? Yep. <laughs> Visit Luskin and learn. Notice increased piracy. Uh, claim to have no part attack through the swaggin' and petty pirates, or being manipulated by some greater force. So the characters had none of their own. Okay, so yeah, all three of them just go there. Which is essentially that's the main quest then. So you get you get contacted by whatever that city's leader is, and they tell you to go to Luskin to meet up with the pirates there, and then one of the pirates will tell you to go. Uh, seek out, head to the Nelanther Isles. So I like the idea where maybe they get the information to just go to the Nelanther Isles, but then once you're there, then you still have to do some more investigation to figure out where exactly the Driftwood docks are and seeking Tentrix and all of that. So maybe your your search can narrow. Maybe I need to look up some of these locations uh, in the Nelanther area and see if that can be another... Important and required step in the quest. Which is Port of Skog, Sea Tower of Urfong and Yomatown. Let's finish with this one though. Abilene, Neravakorbo. never mind, there's too many names. Nero Varko's quest. After the So attempt to retrieve the married conch. Dread High Trident Abilene and realizes something must be manipulating our telecommunication with Slarkworth though uh, I don't know who this person is supposed to be sent a whole fleet to Waterloo where she could have taken the costume herself Eveline tries not to reveal the identity of the Kraken Society's leader and divulges the information to the characters who won't help her otherwise can escort her to Cloakwood south of Baldur's Gate she knows of a cavern hideout where the wood meets the cliffs where important members of the Kraken Society meet who is this person supposed to be it doesn't identify her Dread, Trident, Abilene, Nero, Vagora. She, the other members. she understand what's going on. She also asks characters characters to join the society. She's going to permit her, her secret to be spread throughout Waterdeep. I would love if you... This is a tricky one. You can't force the players to do this. But it would be fantastic if you. they had a setup where they had to all, you know, dress up as cultists or infiltrate something socially. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of fun you can have with that. I mean, look at our whole Sunblight thing, which I did not plan at all. And the players ran with that, and it was just a fucking blast. Can I have a risk to be spared? Spread through all even the cult promises great power and knowledge to its members. Cult characters are given a breastplate and boss with a cracking design. Characters head through Cloakwood, they're attacked by an evil treant. Oh my. Characters head through Cloakwood, they're attacked by a Hydra, which layers in the coastal shallow. So, the Lord's is put at risk. Characters protect Abilene. She thanks them whole hard, and then continues the Kraken sighting meeting spot where she calls Breakhand Cove. Abilene has died. The characters must search the location themselves. They Realize what the place is name. Dangerous cliff. Characters arrive. They meet with the Kraken sighting members, they join the cult. Those refused must remain behind. Each member of the meet conceals their denied with a black veil, but there are three nobles, three cult fanatics, and two concealed deep scions from purple rocks. Fish Doctoring and one more So they can just kind of attend to this meeting, I guess. Okay, I'm not sure if I know who this person is supposed to be. She's never identified. Uh, so maybe she was in an earlier part of the attack on Waterdeep. I wonder if she's the Malenti that joins them later. That's the part I'm confused about on that one. That one's got a lot of stuff going on. A chance to uh, maybe deal with the Kraken society socially, but also end up with, obviously, a combat encounter kind of before and after. Uh, Uthavilio Sithria's quest. Leader of the Seals, which are the characters. There must be a Malenti within their ranks. Ask the characters to search Tharquilnar for the Malenti. The gives each character a magic item that shall investigate the sunken city, such as a cap of water breathing, cloak of the manta ray, or ring of water walking. There are definitely a lot of good, relevant magic items that players could obtain in this campaign. Must engage in a skill challenge. Cover Ilenkor the melon tea, hiding out in the city areas of the city. Uh, so that's okay. Just a skill challenge, and they can find that person. Someone a giant shark. Also leads them to seeking Tendrix. Wish we had more side quests. Characters are up by an acolyte of the priestess of High Moon. This is a Melissa Swirl's quest. I escort the character's to the house of the moon and they meet with Melissa. They investigate a tree of were sharks who recently left the Silver Stars. I like can through this, serve Saloon's elite warriors. Characters up to Paneer. They quickly find out about the were sharks. shanty. So Join the crew of the Blood Moon. And the Blood Moon rises. Track down the Blood Moon. The characters must succeed on the DC-18. I check. Or persuasion. The cruise Blood Moon consists of three Borats, three weresharks, and a werewolf captain. That seems like a great time. I convince the weresharks to abandon piracy. <laughs> that sounds fun. All right. I know that's very interesting. Sultan Kloptikos' quest. The character is free Sultan Kloptikos from imprisonment. He asks a favor of the character. So I think this is the merit that they can get from the Merit Conch if I want to still use the Merid Conch. Seal quest can be tying in for the sea elf they find in. Oh, yeah, in the, sinis- uh, the Sinister Secret. Yeah, I just don't think that quest is very interesting, unfortunately. remember something, like a great seafaring vessel. I can't remember the exact nature of the ship, nor where he stored it, because remember, it was stolen by Yugoleth. He thinks the creature was working for his great rival. Sultan casts plane shift to take the characters to the elemental plane of water and track down the Hydroloth. Wow. Characters arrive at the Isle of Dread in the Sea of Worlds, a tropical island home to lost souls. Remain's purse is an enormous striped nautilus shell, half submerged between the waves, resting on a golden palm-lined beach. The place is madness. All variety of creatures inhabit the place. Drinking strong spiced rum and watered-down grog. The tavern interior is made of chambers separated by iridescent translucent walls. The owner of the establishment is an awakened killer whale called Captain Clipper. That's got some potential. <laughs> Captain Clipper is a total gossip. Pearl Chambers underwater rumors can use a Mesoloth. the pirates. Mesoloth is impressed Ask asks what they want. Characters can hire going to capture Onoro. Captures the passive perception. There's different ways they can, I guess, find this information. Eventually, characters get the chance to talk to Onoro. The Yugoloth fights. Characters not want to return to Gena and gives over information if they spare his life. Onoro is hired by the rival to steal the marriage, memory of the ship. As one wanted ourselves, so we the thing on the material plane on an island scattered with huge skeletons. I was character to remember the whale bones, islands west of Waterdeep, whose shores are scattered with the namesake. After covering this information, the Merid teleports himself and the characters of the whale bones, a day searching for the ship. Fortunately, the ship's been breached by a gang of eight berserkers. Oh, boy. characters have to fight the crew to get the ship back, although killing us will cause the others to free. Honestly, all this is is kind of cool. <laughs> It's got some interesting steps along the way. It's got adventure. It's got some wackiness, hijinks. Flying Squid is a sailing ship powered by a water elemental, which can be summoned by the Merit and bound by a gyroscopic Adamantine prison in the hold. So this, with binding the elemental requires an easy 20 arcana check from the character's contempt, which summons the elemental using a, a spell. The ship is twice as fast as others of its ilk and only requires a crew of five. That is kind of a cool way... To give the players a super powered ship. I guess it's not a flying it's, it's, it says it's a sailing ship it's just a really maybe awesome one yeah a great seafaring vessel so to get it rewarded with like an upgraded ship that's super awesome um, could be kind of a cool quest so maybe that's an excuse to have the merit conch involved somehow, I could also just have it be I, I could really have all three of the uh, excuses for the attacks happening, because one of them was kidnapping an important person, one of them was assassinating the Aboleth, the other one was stealing the Merit Conch from different cities, I could have all just put all three of those things in Neverwinter, and thus the players um, if I was doing a true Clever video game, I'd make the players choose which one they get uh, to actually Repel that—that—that that, that could be interesting, or they could even try and split the party up a little bit. Maybe try to tackle multiples, but then if they're rewarded with them, if they can recover the merit conch and get the merit, then that could lead to this whole quest, which is actually pretty cool sounding. a clapticos, uh, which involves teleporting to the elemental plane of water to shake down a hydrolith basically then fight a bunch of berserkers to claim the super sexy ship and maybe even get involved in like a final like skill challenge to uh, or something to where the you know a couple of players has to help bind this elemental while other things are happening. Maybe they have to do it while the berserkers are they're fighting the berserkers. That could be cool. So I'm liking that one. And and but that that's something I have to think about also is maybe if I want to include uh, all those different motivations that the enemy is doing, maybe the players do have to actually choose. But I'd also have to convey that information to them so they realize that they've. You know, I have to make it obvious that, like, there's different factions going after different things. Which ones do you want to uh, prioritize? And maybe that would uh, give them those allies. So the idea is maybe they would always be able to accomplish one uh, in the time they have, and then that one would give them the important ally that they need moving forward. So either it would be the Abolith, if they rescue the Abolith, it would be uh, that Razimuth, the uh, mage, I believe, if they prevent him from being kidnapped or it could be this Merid. once they summon the uh, Merid from the Merid Conch uh, and, and any of those three would be able to help them move a little bit forward in the quest and get some important magic items but maybe I could even let them do two of the three or if I really wanted to just video game it up in a different way just let them actually do all three uh, but that might be I don't know I kind of like the idea of having to make a choice uh, in terms of which ones they want to try and protect, if, if I can make it pretty obvious that they're having to make a choice there, because they may feel like they're not. All right, I think that has been about an hour for this week's Crafting the Deep. As always, if you enjoy the content, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. Shoutouts outs to Palatinum patrons Joe, Will, Thomas, Stan, Brandon, Genocider, David Eclectic, Role Player, Christopher, Brian, Corey, Goat, 1337, Big Nut, John, John Scott, Eric, Tyler, Nathan, Camp, Crystal Link, Counselor, Andrew, Darren, The Relderin, Matt, Captain, Woody79, Jaron, Matthew, Argius, and Stephanie, and Gold patrons RPG, Paper Crafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Death is a Lounge, Sam, Lucas, Pods, Jerome, Nathan, Fazak, Scott, Rufus, Carolyn, William, Jerry, Thomas, and Prophet. Thank you all very much for your support. I will see you for another Crafting the Deep on Thursday.